We want to welcome you today to our Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Rhonda Corto and I'm with Lori Boucher. And we're just so thrilled to have this conversation today about empowering others. And Lori, as I was just thinking about this topic, I started thinking about empowering others, but also the tensions that we have as leaders, but even as moms, empowering our children and the tensions within our home and what that looks like to empower our children, not just in the home, but also outside the home. And because we are leaders in a church, how that unfolds. And I just thought that'd be a really neat conversation to bring people in on because this is something we've been dialoguing back and forth about. Have we empowered our children in a church setting and how are we empowering them in a home setting? So I just think it'd be really great to unpack that today. So what are your thoughts on that and what? how do you want to pivot? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that because I think so much of what we do intentionally involves thinking about how what kind of opportunities are there to be able to empower others so i mean particularly like in our jobs there are so many opportunities because the bottom line is if you're a pastor or if in your if you're in any type of ministry you realize that like without volunteers without people coming alongside to help do the work of ministry like you you can't do it all yourself and it is the beauty like it's the beauty of the opportunity that we have as the body of Christ to begin to help others flesh out their spiritual gifts i mean we just love this stuff so much finding you know what are your spiritual gifts what's the right place for you to serve, to be able to really use them to the fullness, to practice them, to exercise them one with another and see that mutual beneficial upbuilding happening in the body of Christ. All of that is just so miraculous and beautiful when you see that happening um, with people. But I think you and I, we particularly have so much opportunity to be able to uh, provide for other people in different positions and different um, roles, roles of leadership, roles of even overseeing other groups of volunteers and leaders. It's, it's just so many layers and so many facets of this type of empowerment culture that we're around. And I know both for you and for I, like we are particularly passionate about this, but we have, we do this literally every day and we've gotten to see people grow and thrive in different roles where we sit back and we're like oh my gosh that person is Mm -hmm. unreal and Mm -hmm. they're doing like 10 times better than I could ever do if I was doing that part of this role or whatever but we have the honor and the privilege of sort of overseeing that and kind of making room for different ways of people to express their giftings and that and even sometimes when you see a gift emerge creating ways creating room for them to be able to express that so that's sort of a long-winded way of expressing this passion that we have but i totally get what you're saying about this sort of tension with you know having children that you also want to intentionally cultivate and i think you know both of us have looked for ways to Um, empower their leadership outside of the church, like in just different environments of volunteering or getting a job and seeing them, you know, have responsibilities in a job or being a supervisor in their job or trying different jobs or going to college and going to university or being a part of clubs at school or like constantly encouraging unique ways for them to express their leadership and express and, and learn and grow and all of those things. But then within the church, 
there's this bit of a tension because you don't want to empower your own kid, you know, to take a place that maybe somebody else could take. So then the tension there is, have we actually maybe um, suppressed the, the gifts? Uh, like not intentionally, obviously, unintentionally, but so as not to like seem like there's favoritism or nepotism or, you know, I think that's, I think that's an interesting conversation. I do. I know. And I know we've talked about this. There's some tensions in that. I know. And I I feel some tensions in that. Yeah. As I look at my girls and I see what they do behind the scenes, like I know the amount of volunteering and even in the church, like things that they'll come and do, or if we need something, I'm like, girls, you got to come help. You just pull on your family. You just pull on them to help. But sometimes in the profiling, when you know they have a gift and I've seen it, I have to be really honest, I've been really hesitant to profile it because a lot of that's public. It's a public profiling of, especially I'm thinking of one in particular, one of my, my child, one of my daughters who is very public in her loves to speak, preach motivational talks, also can sing, doesn't want to worship lead necessarily, but has always loved a little bit of music and has the ability to even prophetically step forward. I've, I've kind of not fanned that for her in an environment that I've been a part of, but I've done that for many others. And I've just put like plucked them out, mentored them and released them. But I feel like for her exactly that I've walked this tension of, I never want people to think that this is why I'm doing it because it's my daughter. And that's a hard thing because you know that you're doing it for the reason because you see her life and you want to give her opportunity because I want her to be a blessing if it's not life center at another church body, it's not necessarily just for here to raise somehow this, her to be able to take over something here. It's to say, I want to be able to raise you as part of the body of Christ. But I definitely struggle with how that perception is. And I know we're not to care what people think, but you do carry that when you have influence and you are giving opportunity to people, you do carry that. And I think that's a good thing. I, I don't ever want to lose that ability to think like, it's not just about our family. It's not just about me even just choosing it because I know she can do it and it's easy. Sometimes it's easy because it's easy. But it's also saying like, I want to have eyes to see others. I want eyes to be able to raise the body. But in that, I have to admit, there have been, as she's growing older, I'm like, have I missed some windows of time that are really, really critical for development? Now, I trust the Lord in his way of working all things together. And when God has a plan, She's got to engage in that too. There'll be lots of opportunity. Think of how many have come into things in their 20s and 30s that God just brought the right opportunity and the right leadership. And perhaps I'm not the right person to do that, even for her. Maybe that would not even be the fullness of what she could step into because maybe she'd feel hindered or intimidated or not free to be able to actually fully flourish in what God's called her to do in this setting. I don't know. I have to trust those things. But I think as a mom, you step back and you you look at her. I look at her life now as she's kind of coming out of her teens. And I think, have I missed those windows? Have I actually fanned that part? I fanned a lot of things outside the church for her. But her spiritual development, absolutely discipleship. But as far as exercising her gifting inside the church, lots of fanning outside of the church of her gifting. Um, so I just think those are really interesting things to kind of chat through because I think this is a tension as leaders when you have the ability to launch your children immediately into public platforms, you do wrestle with. 
And when people do see your children, I'm just saying this, when they do see our kids, and I know this is you too, Lori, when you do see your kids on stage, it has been a wrestle internally to even allow them to do that. Not, I want to say allow, very with quotation, no, I don't no, a no, better I know word. Yes, yes. Because you've wrestled through like that perception of what it's going to look like. And it's not easy. It's not the easy road for me. And so, and it's probably been a bit of a detriment for our kids and some, and for my kids, I'm speaking personally, you know, because if it was someone else's child and I saw that, I would be hunting that down and propelling it. Yeah. But because it's her and it's my children, I tend to pull back a bit more and do it outside the church more than inside the church. Yeah. How do you feel about all that? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's beautiful sharing though. Like that's, that's, thank you for sharing your heart on that and just the tensions in that. And I think, I think it's because honestly, like we really do carry the weight of leadership seriously. Like it's not, it's not something we, we hold lightly. And we recognize that in a culture like we're living in now too, that like, you know, to be in a position that has the power to be able to um, invite different, you know, gifts and different people into different leadership opportunities. Um, I mean, it, it, yes, it's a power, but it is also a responsibility. We have the responsibility that we have to fill, you know, various roles and various different aspects of serving and ministry and leadership and all of those things. But it is something we hold like with great uh, humility because we know we don't do it perfectly. And even in this tension, even holding this tension, and I would really agree with what you said in even terms of how I navigate and hold this tension as well. Um, I know that there's been criticism that our kids have gotten profiled over other kids that that has been there has been criticism even though we've really held back on that and really restrained what we could have done um, in many many different spheres and ways um, there still has been you know criticism that oh sure that person you know or your daughter gets put in there or my daughter gets put in there or you know there has there like it's over you know I'm, I'm talking like as kids, you know, they get put in a play or they get put, they give it a part in the Christmas thing. Oh, sure. You know, there has been that criticism. So you, you have to navigate all of that. But the reality is that, you know, even our own children are a part of the body of Christ that are growing and exercising their gifts and need an opportunity to do so. And I agree, like, you know, we've encouraged our kids just to serve, just to serve behind the scenes. And they do, and they have, and they hold they're literally the volunteers that volunteer every single Sunday. <laughs> like yep, there's not yep, that many volunteers yep, yep. that do it every Sunday. Most people are put on a rotation and on a schedule, but our kids are behind the scenes and they serve every single week faithfully and not like on a platform and not on a stage, but there are, you know, places where, you know, we have a heart to grow their gifts and grow their strengths and see what they are behind the scenes, see them sort of navigating. And it is hard to find a place for them to stretch in those things. You know, one of the things that comes to my mind is, um, you know, when we launched Heart Conference and, you know, Heart Conference sort of came out of a, um, you know, like very much even both of our hearts, like we, we birthed this, you know, this, this conference and this gathering of women to really see them empowered in Christ and freed in Christ and just having an encounter with God in such a profound way, you know, you and I, Rhonda, and, you know, 
right from the very beginning, like sat with our own kids and brought them right into the, mm-hmm. the heart and the vision of this as we birth this together. And so for me, it was really, really important that even when we launched it, that our kids were at the center of sort of what we were pushing forward together, that first of all, like there was something for our kids, but there was also a platform for our kids to be able to just express their gifts and their heart for this because they carried the literally launching of the vision of it with us. And I imagine that part of that is because there will come a day when we don't do it anymore, but they do, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is part of the mantle, I think of um, generational leadership that, you know, we, we both carry. So that was really important. But even in that, like I, I wanted, um, I wanted not only, so, you know, I would launch our conference with my daughters, you know, even just hosting people and welcoming them and making sure that my daughters were a part of that also working, you know, 50 hours behind the scenes on every other thing as well. We were all a part of all of it, but, um, but also that I gave other mothers with their daughters the opportunity to do the very same thing Mm -hmm. so that those giftings could be, um, expressed and stretched and grown. And it was one of the things with our conference. I mean, you were on the stage with V worshiping together, you know, owning that those, those spaces, but then had other mothers and daughters as well. Um, had other mothers and daughters hosting every session a different one together a 12 year old a 14 year old a 15 year old with their mom and we love like, that be- we loved it beautiful exactly. like but this beautiful environment like yeah. 15 year olds giving a prophetic word like spontaneously or like so both as much as we hold the tension of this there really is a heart to launch everyone this conversation is navigating our own like how much have we diminished, you know, even the giftings in our kids in order to make room for other people. But at the same time, the heart of it is to release everyone. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not um, so, but yeah, it is something to weigh out before the Lord and just to continue to ask the Lord, Lord, how can we best continue to steward both the giftings of our own kids um, and also, you know, the giftings of those that you've entrusted and us to steward their leadership. That is so true. You articulate that beautiful. That's exactly the tensions that we hold. And I think it's it's exactly that. Like at the end of the day when you're praying and I've been having an open conversation with my oldest daughter about this being like, have I, have you felt that there wasn't a lot of room for you? And even for her, like she has pulled back because they feel that they sense it they it's an unspoken thing that you just kind of pick up on and her not uh, upset about it not angry about it but yeah like I I wouldn't think to ask for that or I wouldn't put myself out there whereas in another environment I would have been pushing her to go and like pursue that do this but I it was like this unspoken thing she could sense I wasn't opening it up for her right but also holding back I was holding holding back back. and she was like well maybe that's not like an invitation and you know those are the unspoken things that you have to reconcile but then at the end of the day trust in the lord's process on it to say okay god if this is something you have you're going to you're going to make room for it or help me to be sensitive in those moments to work moving forward more in a partnership 
to say, what does that look like? What are your dreams? And then to really ask the Lord, like, how can I make room? Whether it's not in this campus, maybe it's another campus that she goes and does something. Maybe it's, what does that look like? And maybe for a season, it's gone dormant for a little bit. I can't, I, I've got to release that and talk about it. And I think that's an important thing. Like V and I have been talking a little bit about it, having a little bit of an on, like honest conversation because there was a time she was so fired up about things and there was lots of opportunity and then it's kind of dwindled, but I didn't fan the flames like I have in other areas of her life. Like I'm like, you can't drop that. You can't drop that. There's a gift on you. But there I saw it kind of dwindle and I didn't fan it because some of those unspoken tensions was like, okay, well that kind of relieves some of the tension for me. That's to be really honest that now I don't have to navigate that. Like she wants that, like to move forward in that, but now she's kind of pulling back. Do I just let it kind of go? I don't know. Like other things I wouldn't, but in the church setting, because many of the things that she would do, she's still serving behind the scenes. I'm not talking about volunteering, but I'm talking about some of the things that she actually has a gift to do publicly that I, I felt like it, I didn't fan the flame the same. So we're having those conversations now and she's not as passionate about it. And to be honest, I started to feel like, wow, did I miss something there? Like, did I miss in my own family an ability to empower my daughter? And I just felt like the Lord say, like, even if you did, you've got to trust that I'm bigger. <laughs> like, I'm bigger than those moments. But have the conversations. Like, even those listening. We're talking on a leadership level. This could be on other areas of your life and other things with your children that perhaps they had a passion. And you look back and you're like, man, I... You, maybe you weren't in a great space or financially or something, but have an open conversation about it. And I think that's what the Lord just kind of put in my heart. Just be intimate about that. Acknowledge it. Talk about it. Speak into her life about that. And to continue to start to fan the flame in different ways, like to maybe fan that back up. And trust me, though, that if it's of God, it's going to come back and to speak into those potentials. But I did have to, re- I, I've had to reconcile a little bit of that, that I missed some of those moments. And I didn't fan the flame. And I knew I wasn't fanning the flame because I didn't want the tensions of the perception of what it's going to look like. And, you know, if I do fan that, it's going to be a more public thing. And, you know, it's not, I, I just don't want that to be so. And so that's the honest truth of it. Now, funny story, fanning flames or being, you know, holding, holding your kids to things. You know, my kids, since they were little, I don't know what it is, but I've always said, you're going to be lifeguards, both of you. You're going to be lifeguards. And I have held the line. Like my oldest went through it complaining, like fighting to do every course. And I mean, it's a lot. If you're in Ottawa, the city of Ottawa, it's not even just becoming a lifeguard. You have to do all these multiple courses to teach kids how to swim. So it's not just getting your lifeguarding. You've got to get your teaching certificates for teaching swimming on top of it to work for the city of Ottawa. So I'm like, you guys are totally becoming lifeguards. You're making this. So I've been telling them this since they were little. So my oldest, yeah, got her through it. She loves it now. It's fine. Well, my youngest is going through and you know, it is a hard thing when you have had like to hold the line with one And now I'm watching her like totally and she's such a different personality and she's so sweet and she hardly puts any resistance and she is putting her feet in like this is not something she wants to do. She is super verbal about it and she's not usually this verbal about anything and I'm having to hold the line and the funny thing is I'm watching my oldest listen to these conversations expecting me actually to let the baby of the family off the hook 
but I'm having to hold the line and I'm making her be a lifeguard. But I'm telling you, she's letting people know that I signed her up for this. This is not something she wants to do. She's got a friend who's doing it because her mother's making her do it. They're <laughs> rallying together. It was like almost like our moms are making us do this, you know. And anyway, I just love like it's funny on this side, though. I'm like, no, I am going to push you through because I don't want you always to quit on something that's hard. I don't want you to quit on something that's not comfortable for you or you feel is like too like she she diminishes herself. Like, I'm not a leader like my oldest sister. I'm not the same. No, but you're still a leader and you're going to have to learn how to carry some weight. And that's part of what Jay and I both felt for this course in particular. It was something specific. There's something significant that we had to push her through on it. But I'm telling you, holding the line is not easy. So we've got these tensions that you have the church tension where I may let something go because I just feel like, but that maybe I'm overcompensating outside the church walls. But I'm like, I'm making, I've got to fan this somehow. But I'm telling you, if you've got multiple children, you may have little children right now when you're listening. If you make your oldest do something, I'm telling you, you're going to hold it for the rest of your life over your head. If you don't make the (laughs) next one, do it. Because my oldest is chirping from the bedroom, like listening to us having this conversation, like I had to do it and I hated it and you'll love it, you know? And then, but anyway, this is the hilarious parts of parenting 101. If you're going to say something, you kind of got to hold through. Now you've had four inside the walls of Rhonda Corto's <laughs> house. You've I just know. been let in. You've just been let in. Oh, I love listen, that. I know, but I've only got two. So I still got some fire in me for the second. I know. To hold the line. I can't imagine, Lori. Four. No, no, you do By get, the end you of the do four? get wor- you get worn out. You really get worn out. I mean, we have this ongoing conversation in our house about how my oldest was just so, so oppressed because he had a bedtime until like grade 10. <laughs> Like he, you know, curfews, like all of that, right? Totally. And, and like when he was young, like when he was probably like grade seven, grade eight, 12, you know, 13, like he still had a bedtime. It was pretty early, like eight, eight 39, you know, like it was kind of moving forward by half an hour. But because my kids were all so close in age, whatever the oldest bedtime was, everybody's bedtime was (laughs) like, it couldn't really, it didn't really standard. It kind of set the standard. So his bed, he always had a bedtime and he, he just thinks that was just the most horribly oppressive thing that could ever happen to him and you know he's had a terrible childhood because of it I mean I'm exaggerating he doesn't he doesn't actually oh think but he goodness. holds that over my head because now like I've got younger kids that are younger than him that haven't had a bedtime in years like they just I kind of oh, just have yeah. gotten very lax about that you know it used to be when phones came out you know the phone had to be plugged in in the hallway and it just things have changed over time and it's anyways uh, listen I tell him okay so I tell my oldest he's actually better for it he's he's like the most disciplined <laughs> kid I have so awesome. he's so obedient he's so he's just such a good kid and I'm like listen it worked it actually worked like oh look at you goodness. you're the best kid oh that is so <laughs> and he funny. laughs but doesn't laugh at the same time but no, it's so true. It's so true. We do like, you know, we do try to give our kids opportunities, like whether it's yeah, sports, opportunities in sports, opportunities in, in to play an instrument to see if they have a certain gifting. And then we push them hard in that, right? You're not going to quit. No, this is about like 
finishing what you start, da, 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 and trying to teach them all of these lessons through all of these different kinds of opportunities. But, um, you know, you said something really, really interesting, you know, that about, again, about this conversation and, you know, there's been a restraint in you in regards specifically to, you know, how it's lent itself in ministry, because that's particularly your profession in a space that you had the opportunity you could have pushed her more in. But, you know, I I can't help but think that, you know, even for our kids, like their journey really it truly is in God's hands. And you yes, said that. Yes. It really is. Like it actually, I think, has less to do with what we did or didn't do than the the what God is working out in them. And even if you saw sort of a passion emerge, because I've walked this a very similar, like with my kids, you know, I've kind of watched a passion sort of really, really emerge and questioned too. Like, did I not, did I not? push hard enough when sort of that flame was really, really like big and, you know, and, and glowing. Um, but I actually think that God is working out something in the inner, in the secret place, like in the inner world now that also too, like a platform isn't actually going to help to develop. So I think all of it, God uses every stage well, but I do think we constantly have to really listen to the Lord, not to number one, like fall into favoritism and nepotism. Cause I don't think that's okay. And I don't think Absolutely. that's a good no. thing to use our, our positions for, right. but at the same time, not to neglect the gift of God, like we would, you know, do for someone else. We have to be able to do the same thing and provide the same opportunities and not just say like, okay, you have to come and help me behind the scenes for all of these other things. Decorate for Christmas, you know, be the greeters outside on any special Sunday, you know, anything we need help with. Oh, the church needs people to fold sweaters. We got a big load of merch, you know, what, guess who's the here? Us, like we're here with our kids and they're, they're doing it. Oh, we need help at the food bank. Okay. Our kids are doing like any, anywhere and everywhere it's like us and our families and they do it and they do it willingly and they love and they do, you know they're they're it's part of the they're family. with us yeah they're with absolutely. us you know yeah but at the same time like what are those opportunities to be able to and i think too again if i go back to the example of heart conference you know for particularly for my girls because this is something that like we talk about we dream about together um it was just really important for me to bring them right to the table uh, to be able to grow their leadership in the midst of it too. And, um, and to, for it to sh- be shaped by their vision and their heart and their dreams, your, your daughter too, like she, lo- like she's, she's passionate about it and I want to hear her ideas and I want to hear how she sees that it could be better because I, I think it matters. And I, and I want to do this, you know, not just myself and not just me and you, but with all, Mm -hmm. with all of us together. And so, you know, in the midst of this conversation, you know, you may be a part of our church community. And so, you know, our kids and, you know, it might be surprising to kind of hear this wrestle because you have seen our kids on the stage. They, and they have like, they've, they've Mm -hmm. been profiled in different ways. They speak, share testimonies. They do different things um, at different times when, Usually when someone else asks them, not us, (laughs) usually when someone else says, hey, I think this, you know, I think your daughter or your daughter or whatever, it's usually not or son or whatever. It's not usually not asked by us. But so you've seen them. So you might be surprised to hear that there is this wrestle that kind of goes on inside of our own hearts behind the scenes. But also to you, maybe listening and, and maybe your child 
has desired to step into an opportunity that and they haven't been seen yet either and so like we just recognize that all of these things are at play um you know when i sit with my kids too and have these conversations with them like they actually and this may surprise people but they actually feel overlooked because they are the pastor's kids Mm -hmm. they feel like at times other leaders, other pastors, or probably even ourselves, we actually overlook them yes, yes. because they just assume they're fine because they're the pastor's kids, because they're, you know, whatever sort of, because they sit in the front row, because they're sort of already profiled just belonging to the pastor's family. They f- actually feel overlooked. That's their perspective whereas again you might be sitting with your child and they feel the same way and that's their perspective or they look at maybe one time they see one of our kids on the stage and say I wish that I could have that too or I wish I could do that too and so their perspective is the pastor kid the pastor's kids always get chosen yet our our those actual kids feel overlooked because I do think there's so much stirring inside of them that there isn't a place for them to express that yet. Yes. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so these are just really real like tensions that we have to navigate with our kids, with each other, with the, the fuller body of Christ. And, um, you know, constantly like bring us to our knees to say, okay, God, like help mm-hmm. us to steward all of this you know, in a way that really, really does honor you. So, yeah. No, so powerful. And on top of the dynamic, we're leading staff that are leading our children. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like you, it's easy to manipulate, to get the parent hat on, to get in there. And so these are the things we are very aware of. Very, very. And allowing ministers to grow too. Yeah, yeah. And some of those growth periods are when our kids are in it, like in their growth period. Yeah. And you know, it's, those are all the things we're navigating. Yeah. Yeah, Tensions that we have to release to the God and just be open to God about. And to say, this is, you know, I can't step into these spaces as a boss or a coworker. Like this is part of allowing God to do work and God's going, God's got our children. God has your children. And I think even as you were talking, Lord, those were just incredible words of encouragement to everyone listening. Like just even giving a little insight of some of these tensions. And I just felt even some, you may be listening today and perhaps you have fanned a lot of flames in their sport world or their music world, but the spiritual world has been very diminished and perhaps even your own life. It's kind of been the, you know, the fifth, the sixth on the, on the radar of your priorities. And this is not to bring condemnation. It's not to, but it also is a really healthy moment when we have these conversations to say, okay, God, what is the most important to you? Where am I trusting you? And what is, what am I fanning into my children's lives? Where am I having them serve? What, how am I modeling that? Because I think that's really important that they even know that there's a place for them in the body of Christ and there's a place for you in the body of Christ. But if you don't feel there's a place for you, you're not going to make, you're not going to feel there's a place for your family or your children. So I just want to say for you, as much as we're talking about our kids and those tensions here today, that maybe there's been past hurt. There's been past pain. You might've felt overlooked. Is every, is any body of Christ perfect? Absolutely not. And as we all know, (laughs) we're all humans working this out. No family's perfect. No church is perfect because it's filled with people and families. 
But in the same token, I want you to hear today fresh. There is room in the body of Christ for you. May you fan back into flame what God has for you, this integral part that you have to play in the body of Christ for now that we are missing that we need as part of the body, that you would re-engage that, that you would take a step, have a conversation with somebody, just take a step to serve, take a step to re-engage. And then by doing so, may you start to make room for your family to re-engage because this is actually the most important. At the end of life, it's not going to be the sports my children played, the kind of career they had, the kind of money they had in their bank accounts, the kind of traveling or experiences they had. It's actually going to be about who they were in Jesus and the difference they made on this earth because we're here for a short time. It's a mission. We're on a mission to know God, to be used by God, to make a difference that people would know how much they love him. So may you know at the end of the day, at the end of your life, this is what's going to matter. And these are those realigning conversations. It's a realigning conversation for me, an open conversation that we've had about the tensions, keeping conversations going. And if you've been hurt, talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody. And uh, we just want to just move forward. And we really want to keep conversations moving open and honest Yeah, because this is what we're doing today. This is part of it today. Oh, that's so good. I love that so much. You know, as we're having this conversation, you know, it's just stirred in me. a desire to again see how we can intentionally continue to fan the flames of um, different opportunities, different giftings by exposing different people to those kinds of opportunities. Like I just imagine like, what if we ran every Sunday similarly to how we ran a conference? And I think honestly, this is part of what God is sort of Stirring, stirring and drawing, sure. you know what I mean for this next season of of what he wants to do. And so, like again, I I would just love to see different people have the opportunity to be profiled, share a testimony, um, you know, host a service, like be able to practice different aspects of leadership and different aspects. Now serving every week and serving behind the scenes, yes, a hundred percent. And we need all of that too, but also giving different opportunities to profile like lots of different people. So I think part of this conversation really is the stirring to see not just our own kids, but yes, our own kids, but also all kids, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, yes. all kids, all teenagers. We love our kids, our youth, our yeah, young adults. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and families, and just seeing you thrive and seeing you have different opportunities. Yes. So, so there may there may come more of that, you know, in the near future that I can just see God is sort of fanning something something new and something fresh that uh, that we want to see this developed because there is there is something profound I think even generationally and you know you've had this heart for such a long time just this sense of like the Abraham the Isaac and the Jacob generation right and even at our very church we see this kind of beautiful generational ministry where our founding pastor is still a part of the community so right so you have your sort of Abraham generation then 
you have, you know, the, the Isaac generation, which is us and our leadership now. And we're sort of in that, but that Jacob generation is coming that next, the children of, you know, sort of the Isaacs that are bringing leadership and like, what does God want to do? And this is the generation where you really started to see the multiplication come. Like this is the massive multiplication. And so, so it's like, I think there's a fanning of Lord, how do we invest? How are we more intentional? How do we cultivate this next generation to see what you have, what you have planned for the future? Because yeah, it, I think it's really big and I think it's really exciting, but it's got to be cultivated and there's got to be some intentionality in that. And I I know that fires you up. I get so fired up. I know even at church when I see any young adults, like teens, I just cannot even thank them enough for being in church. I love seeing them. I love it. They're not the future church. They are the church. So God is doing something new. And may our hearts be open. May we just continue to have conversations together. And may we move together as a family. As a family. Even the the season of crazy isolation and crazy division, I feel like the Lord is doing the opposite thing. He's showing some of those pathways of unity, the pathway of new the pathway that he wants to show us that we have the eyes to see. And so God, give us the eyes to see that we can move as families together, empowering, encouraging, and cheering every single one along because we want our men to be empowered. We want our women to be empowered of all generations. And uh, and I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. And so today, thank you for joining us. I want to encourage you as you go to the Father's house, as you walk into the Father's house and see your your spot at the table, sit down linger with the father there's an abundance he has for you and the abundance is his presence the abundance is his heart to be imparted to you that you would know his heart and that you can totally trust him with your heart and so just know that you're loved so beautiful and wherever wherever you feel like you have been diminished in you know your opportunities for ministry and opportunities to stretch your giftings in opportunities to be able to just step out you know I, I just really encourage you with that Deuteronomy word like you have gone around this mountain long enough like it's time to turn northward fix your eyes on Jesus begin to go in a different direction take a step in a different direction and see what God wants to do you know Every single one of you are a part of the family of God. And even as you're talking about families, and we were talking about our kids and talking about family, family looks different for everybody. You might be single, you might be um, married, you might be married without kids, you might have children, you might be in your senior years where your children are adults. There is a part and a place for every single one of you as part of the family of God. And so we want to see every part expressed in a beautiful way um, in in the body of Christ. And so I just encourage you to take a step. We love you. Thank you for spending this time with us today. We hope you were encouraged and we hope you have a wonderful day.